This is a Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon exclusive. 55 years. 18 studio albums. Countless hits. They dominated the 80s. And in these historic pandemic times, only one band can truly deliver a sign of hope. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon brings you a special interview with the Scorpions' Klaus Main. It's truly humanity, hour one. The Scorpions' new song, Sign of Hope, available for digital download and streaming on all major stream platforms. And now, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Welcome to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Uh, joining me on the phone, as always, is Alan Niven. A good day, Alan. And can you tell I'm, I'm I'm in a rush to get to this one because this is a good one. I think you're you're well excited to uh, talk with Klaus. Yes, we have the one and only, the mighty uh, Klaus Mine of the Scorpions. They have a new song out called "Sign of Hope," written uh, for the uh, this this period that we're in for the pandemic. They uh, Klaus was at home. They canceled all their tours like everybody else, and he wrote a song, and they decided to put it out and. It is a, a great song to have, and, and you know, thank you to the Scorpions for that, but uh, Klaus, has a, have you ever toured with the Scorpions? Was Great White ever on a bill, or, or, or I guess Guns N' Roses? We did a uh, Great White and uh, the Scorpions did a summer tour together, and um, it was interesting. We, uh, the halfway mark of the tour was Miami, and... That show in Miami remains one of the highlight shows that I remember of Great White. They were just incendiary that night. And Klaus and Rudolph and, and Matthias were standing on the side of the stage going, hello, we're going to have to earn our bread tonight to follow that. And we had a week break before we had to pick up again in Texas, I think it was. And we zipped back to... LA and Michael and I, Michael Lardy and I were working on some live tracks and getting Kendall to fix a couple of sour notes. And that was uh, after he left the studio, he called up and said, I'm not doing too well. And I said, what's up? And he said, well, I'm throwing up blood. I said, call an ambulance straight away. And he said, but I don't feel sick. sick. I'm just throwing up blood. I said, call an ambulance right away. And of course he had ruptured his esophagus, uh, through basically alcoholism and he ended up in the ICU and we had to get, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Petronelli or something, a kid come out from the East coast and cover for Al Petrelli for a while. Was it Al Petrelli? Al Petrelli. There you go. Yeah. Al, Pet- Al Petrelli came out and I called Al and uh, said, do you think you can learn the material quickly? He said, I'll know it by the time I'm off the plane. Well, several weeks later, he still hadn't got it down, but, you know, bless his heart, he came out and covered. But that's our little Scorpions story. Um, We were lucky not to lose Mark at that point. You know, it's pretty bad when your throat collapses because of all the Budweiser and you bleed out of it. My Lord. Uh, What? So this would be what, on their Savage Amusement Tour? And and it was your, what, Once Bitten Tour? No, this would have been... um, Hooked, I think. Back end of Hooked. And then they were on their Crazy uh, World Tour then. I mean, well, <laughs> yeah, that would... It was it, it was 90 or... I think it was 1990 or somewhere around there. I mean, last century, basically. But um, 
you know, I went in to see see Campbell with uh, in 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 the hospital, and had the presence of mind to take my camera with me, and I took a picture of him in the ICU with tubes coming out of his ears, his nose, his mouth, his butt. You know, there were tubes everywhere. And the next time he fell off the wagon, I just drove over to his house with a blow up of that picture and just sat on his sofa and held up the picture. Didn't have to say a word. Well, uh, yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll put it in, in this term. So this was a tour that was post wind of change, right? So if it's wind of change, it's after the 90s. And if it's post wind of change, it's 89 and before. So so they were doing wind, winds of change on this one. Um, I can't remember. Oh, well, by the way, have you seen in the news... Uh, over the last couple of months, this this podcaster right down in the States who's done an entire series, and I forget how many episodes, I think it might be eight or something like that, where he looks at the Scorpions Association with the CIA and how Winds of Change was written by the CIA as a, to, to subvert uh, the Russians. And Have you read any of that? And, and how sort of crazy world does that sound to you? Uh-huh. Um it sounds totally crazy, but of course, totally crazy intrigues me a little bit. So I'm definitely going to have to see if I can find the address of that rabbit hole and poke my head down there and see what's there. Um, but the older I get, the more I understand how we're dumbed down. And in terms of conspiracies, whatever you think, it's probably worse than that. I mean, it amazes me to this day that you know, people still don't have have uh, exposure to the truth of JFK's assassination. You know, and they they still try and fob you off with the single bullet theory and all that bullshit. Um, but if you do your research on it, it becomes evident what really happened. Yeah, it does. And and uh, I'll I'll send you the links to that uh, CIA stuff. And and did we speak about it with uh, Klaus? No. Uh, I, I would rather have, I, I, being a fan, I prefer to spend my time discussing actual uh, things like the new song, like uh, animal magnetism, uh, and, and a bunch of other questions. Humanity Hour One and working with Desmond Child, one of my favorite writers, producers, etc. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm done. Let, let's get over to Klaus because it's too I, exciting. I, I, would, I, would, I would, just in closing, I will say something quickly. The images of Klaus and Rudolph walking in Red Square were magical to me. Just the very fact that they were there, I thought it was brilliant. I thought that was hope right there, which shows how naive, naive I am because we end up with, you know, a Putin on this side and an orange oaf on, on our side. So, you know, but just for a fleeting moment there, there was a real sense that there was hope for the world seeing Klaus in Red Square. But let's go talk to him. Yeah, so here he is, uh, the one, the only, the legendary vocalist, Klaus Mein. We are speaking with uh, Scorpion's frontman, Klaus Mein. Uh, as we say in Montreal, uh, bonjour, Klaus, how are you? Bonjour, Mitch, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> how are you? Good, good. I, I have to say, in my interview career, which you know started back in the mid-90s, there, there are five artists I'm still hoping to interview. There was uh, Ozzy, Axel, Huey Lewis, Billy Idol... And you, and now here we are. Really? So yes, so you're you're wow. you're one of the last. I know I'm crossing off the the big poster on the wall. I'm cl- cl- crossing off names, but uh, we're here to talk about Sign of Hope. And they may or may not have told you, but I keep a Scorpions playlist in my phone at all times. It is important. 
and I've added Sign of Hope to that playlist, and it is fantastic. Oh, cool. Yeah, so talk to me about this song and writing it, and you know, it sort of it sort of came out of left field. There was no you know advanced press release or hey, we're working on a new song. It'll be ready next month. It just arrived. Uh, talk yeah, to me about it. Was totally crazy. I mean. We started this year playing shows in Australia and Southeast Asia, and when we came back early March, uh, we went right uh, into the lockdown, but at the same time we went into this creative mode where we, we were just about to, to keep working on a new album. And uh, so we were supposed anyway to, to work on new songs, new material. So, But this song just came about because... it. I was kind of reflecting the whole situation, uh, going every other day deeper into this uh, pandemic situation, you know. And uh, and I thought uh, to give a little sign of hope to our fans and uh, beyond that, of course. But, you know, it was like different, like we have a new song for you, the new single comes out in 10 days and there's a countdown now. It was nothing... Uh, of that at all it was just the song was there and the question was let's put it out like on our social medias and let's take it to our fans to the people and hopefully uh they get the message and they they get a little little uplifting feel and, and vibe about, about this in this very difficult situation for all of us you know and that, that was the idea this why this song came out the way it did you know but you're right normally it's a new album, the first single comes out, it's a big deal. This time it was no big deal at all. It was just a little song straight from the heart in troubled times. Yeah, and it's a, it's a fantastic, fantastic vocal as well. Uh, I do want to ask you about that because there's another song in your in your canon that, that really strikes me. It's a song called A Moment in a Million Years. There is a piano version of that song that is just absolutely divine. Um... Talk to me a little bit about that Eye to Eye album, because it, it is often misunderstood, but there is some great, great, great material on that, including A Moment in a Million Years. Uh, do you see yourself ever playing that song again live? I mean, since we have so many ballads, Mitch, I'm, you know, the thing is, every time when I come up to the band saying, like, how about A Moment in a Million Years, you know, there are at least five, six, seven, or even more other ballads that are pretty cool for the band to, to, to perform live as well. You know, so, and since, like you said, uh, more than many years, is, uh, the piano version is so beautiful. If I was Freddie Mercury, you know, I was sitting at the piano and singing and playing that song every night, you know, because you're right. It's a beautiful song, and I, I really like that one, you know, but it's, it's not a good not very much like a, a guitar song, like, uh, let's say, Holiday or When the Smoke is Going Down, all those uh, very much like beautiful guitar-playing uh, songs, you know. And uh, uh, Morton and Bill, yes, it's, it's a different, it comes from a different kind of place, you know. But I, I like it a lot, and I, I think Peter Borf, who produced the album Eye to Eye, I think he played the piano on, on that version, you know. He did, and, and lyrically... It's not a guitar song, you know, and that's why we're looking for trying to find the perfect way how to present that song. And it, it, it ended up like with this uh, piano version, which is beautiful. 
Which is beautiful. And and I only bring it up because it, it, it strikes me as being very similar to Sign of Hope in terms of message and in terms of, of performance. Uh, oh, really? Well, uh, to me it does. It's I, maybe, I, it's maybe, it's in the songwriting, I guess, you know. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah, you probably are. It's the same writer. It's the same writer, you know, <laughs> and maybe that's what it is. A little hint right there. Uh, you mentioned new album, and of course you're you're working with producer Greg Fiddleman, who who has done Slipknot, Metallica, Black Sabbath, Red yes. Hot Chili Peppers, Adele as well. Uh, does that suggest that the next new album is going to be a lot more hard rock, a lot more heavy metal? Does it, is it sort of a return to the 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 eighties with this one? What what does working with Greg suggest Absolutely. about a new album? Absolutely. Okay. That is that is what we try to do. I mean, when we, it's it's great to have uh, Greg Fiedelman on our side, like you said, Metallica, Slipknot. You know, from the very beginning, we said if we make a new album, it's got to be on the harder edge. You know, it's got to be an album with attitude. It's got to take us back, you know, with to the to the 80s and where we had many many big big songs and uh, like big albums like Love Drive. Animal Magnetism, Blackout, all that stuff. And it was just to try to focus on that kind of vibe. You know, if, if we can pull this off after so many years, I don't know. All I know is we, have, we started writing last year, and right now we just kept going, and we have lots and lots of material. Uh, and what I hear every day in the studio right now, it feels really good. And I think it underlines... We're on, on the right direction. We're on the right track. I mean, when you listen to Sign of Hope now, it gives you a wrong idea because it's, that's like a, a totally from the heart ballad. It's a short, sweet little song, you know. But we work on an album, and we try to really uh, go back to the Scorpions' DNA from those years, you know. If we can do this after so many years, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy uh, to think about making a new album, you know, but it's in a way we try to do it, and this is what we're totally uh, in sync with Mark, with Greg Fiedelman. Uh, we want to go to this old vibe, you know, and we want to be played like a band together and uh, this kind of thing. Right now, unfortunately, since everything is postponed and so is the album to next year, we're still in the studio, but we were supposed to be in Los Angeles in May and June, play Las Vegas in July, where we were booked at uh, Planet Hollywood for a residency. So those shows are supposed into next year, and so is the album. So right now we're working here on the album, and we have Greg at breakfast time in L.A. Uh, via Zoom. He's with us, and we talk about the song and uh, then uh, we're making plans and we record the stuff and we discuss it. We send the files back and forth between Germany and LA. You know, so it, and I must say, so far it has been working very, very well. We make progress with the material. Now we wait for Greg either to come here or uh, the United States has to open its border and we can travel and go to LA. Uh, right now we're waiting for Mickey D, our drummer, and Pavel Machivoda, our bass player, to come from Sweden and from Poland. And until now, it was like also very difficult to to travel. You know, so it's the three of us, Rudolf, Matthias, myself, working here with our engineer Martin Boff and uh, Ingo Povica, the guitar tech for Matthias. You know, so and it's it's it can be done. You know, it can be done, and the song sounds great. 
and it's a lot of fun. And I just hope we can we can keep going, you know. And right now we don't know if Greg comes to see us in Germany or if we go and travel to Los Angeles. It's either way. It's kind of a weird situation still because the numbers in, in the United States are still go up. They still go up here in Germany, right where we live. It's a little more calm right now, but there are little there are places, cities, and areas where it's coming back. So it's overall, it's not a really good situation. But on the other side, uh, like after so many, many years and decades to go back into the studio and to work on an album, to write new material, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a blessing that we don't sit here at home watching the grass grow or, you know, uh, whatever you can do uh, after a while, you know. It's like we're so much, it's so much in our veins to travel, to go out, to play shows. But this year, we were supposed to make a new album, except for the Vegas shows. So we were lucky in that sense, you know. And really, it's a, it feels so good to go deep into your creative world, you know, and create new material, new songs, for hopefully when we come back to America, to Canada, uh, we have a new show, we have new songs in the set, and then... then that feels, <clears throat> that feels really, really good. Yeah, and I look forward to that. Now, on the last album, Return to Forever, you did revisit some older demos that, that, that you had. Uh, on this new album with Greg, are we writing entirely new material? Are, are these songs from the last, like, two or three years? Or are, are some of these also revisits where you look back to the vaults in 1970 and go, you know what? We could really no, polish it. No, no, no. That, that vault, that vault is empty. <laughs> it's emptied out. <laughs> it's emptied out. No, no, no. There's not even two, three years, you know. This material is all brand new, you know. It's, like I said, we started writing last year, and uh, then we, in June, yeah, a year ago, we, we started the tour. We went all over Europe and lots of places, and we went to play Rock and Rio in Brazil, you know, in the fall, and then, then Colombia, Santiago de Chile, and, and so many places. And, uh, and it, last year, when we had to stop working on the new material, it was like, ah, oh, geez, we've got to go on the road now. You know, we were so so deep into the recording mood already and writing mood. And uh, now we picked it up this year. And, uh, of course, there were many more songs that came about, you know. And uh, we, have, we have a great setup of songs. They're just waiting for the drummer and for especially having, like, Mickey... We used to play for Motorhead for so many years, you know, and he's sitting there in Göteborg, Sweden, waiting for the call. Mickey, come over here. Pavel, come over here. And we can finally, we can play together. And like I said, it's either we go to L.A. or, or Greg Fiedelman comes to Germany. We'll see. But I think we have a great album coming up and we feel very, very strong and very positive about it. Well, all the albums have been great up to now. Uh, let's talk quickly about Mickey D. He comes in, and as you say, from Motorhead, and has this reputation for being big and loud and, and just in your face with his drumming. What has he brought to the Scorpions, in a sense? Because I've seen shows, obviously, with James and Herman and, and now uh, with Mickey, and it's ferocious. You, know, you, you hear Rocky like a hurricane, and it just sounds like it's going to punch you in the face now. And I mean that respectfully, but yeah. what has he brought to the band? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mickey is, is like a, 
He's an amazing musician, amazing drummer. He's, he's really like a sweet guy, you know. He's a really cool guy. He's a family man, you know. He lives in Sweden, not too far away from where we live here in, in, Europe, in Germany. And uh, he's a great guy, very powerful, and uh, he adds uh, a new energy to the band, you know. He brought up a whole new spirit, a whole new energy. And uh, it, it's really, really it's inspiring to play with him. And uh, that's why we can't wait, like what I said, uh, to bring him in here and we can play the new songs with him together because we know he will will add some some really, like, heavy, brutal, really powerful playing rock and roll drums, you know. And uh, that's what we're looking for. And uh, I just told him, we'll... Uh, I wrote him uh, a mail saying, Mickey, there are lots of songs waiting for you to beat him up. <laughs> uh, he's a great guy, and uh, it's wonderful to have him in the band, and it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, he's, he's a great musician. It's very inspiring. It gives us a whole new shot of energy. Oh, it re- kick in the butt. It, it, re- it really does. Uh, I do want to ask you about the uh, album that came out in 2007, Humanity Hour One, and and that to me was an album that that reignited the Scorpions' fire for me. I, you know, as, as we moved from the 90s into the into the knots, you know, other music came into my ears, and then I hear Humanity Hour 1, and I go, ah, ah, this is the band. Uh, talk to me about working with Desmond Child. The, the, the story, as I understand it, is that before you started recording, he he went through a session of vocal training with you, or or he made you learn to sing differently? What, what exactly is the story? <laughs> yeah. I mean, with Desmond Child, we can talk about, like, for hours, you know, about the production of Humanity Hour One, you know. So, uh, I mean, he's an amazing producer and uh, lots of success. He's a great, great songwriter as well, you know. And uh, when we came in, uh, most of the songs were were just written, you know, and laid out in front of us, you know, and uh, we we worked it together. And uh, but uh, the whole concept of this humanity concept came from Desmond, and uh, it was a whole different way to make an album. And he's such a charismatic personality, you know, and. Uh, to work with him was like a like a challenge, you know. So and, and up to, until then, you know, like my accent, the way I sing was was never something we we talked about in the studio with any producer. Well, maybe in the early days with Dieter Dirks, where of course I have a German accent, and and even Dieter Dirks, and we tried really to to get it right and to to kill the accent. Uh, and with Desmond, you know, he was so picky, and with every little word which where he thought uh, it was pronounced not the way he wanted to hear it, you know, he went back and came, Klaus, you have to, to say it like this, you know, sing it like this, you have to do this and this and this, which is okay, you know, this is what producers do, but with him, he was very, very picky, and then because it, it was all about, not all of it, but some of it was about the language. And yes, he he connected me with a vocal coach, which was actually a great thing, you know, because uh, it was really the first time I worked with a vocal coach. And Eric Beto uh, 
he worked with so many great artists. And uh, one day when I left the session in his house, the door opens and his next client was coming in. You know, it was Ben Stiller, you know, who obviously he was singing in a movie or something. You know, so he had great people there. And he worked with so many artists like Meatloaf and many others. And it was a good experience. And looking back uh, about this whole production, uh, the whole thing, uh, this was one of the very, very positive parts where I learned a lot about my voice and uh, how to go through production like this. But it was not only that. Desmond was also taking care that not only me, but also the, the whole band was working with a personal trainer every day. <laughs> you know, we were quite busy, you know, in the hotel. They were in the early morning hours, you know, we used to work with our uh, uh, personal trainers. He wanted to make sure at the end of the production the band looks looks good, you know, and not... Uh, putting on too many pounds or something, or too many kilos, too many kilos. It was crazy, you know, but, but the vocal cords was really good. And when it was uh, sometimes in the studio, it was really tough. I said to Desmond, come on, Desmond, this is the way I pronounce these or these words, you know, but how you say, can you say for me bratwurst, which is like a sausage in, in German, can you say for me bratwurst? And then brat, 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 the whole, this whole operation, Humanity Hour One. Humanity Hour One is is a brilliant album from start to finish. Uh, just real yeah. quick. Oh, oh, it it is stunningly good. Uh, back around 2011, you 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 start working on a documentary, which ends up being Forever in a Day. It's about how the band is is doing one last world tour, and we're all saying goodbye. But then something happens with the band, and and you get re-energized, and you keep going. What was it around 2009, 2010, where the band just went, okay, we're done, that's it, we're we're out? And then, yeah. conversely, what was it that went, went that you made you say, yeah, you know what, we're not done, this is too much fun? Yeah. I think, looking back, we should have said, come on, guys, we need a break. Let's let's get away from all this, for maybe for a year, and then let's see where we go from here. But uh, this whole... Uh, thing it was really based on the feeling that Sting in the Tail was a great album, and back uh, at the time we really thought, like, I mean, it will be difficult after all these years to make another record, and maybe this is it, and we should do one last tour, uh, knowing that uh, like a, a, a tour at least it will take about three years. So the final show is like, it's pretty far away at that point. And uh, that's what we did. And then going into the tour, and then we realized how much this is our life and how much this is our, our lifeline. <laughs> it's, uh, <clears throat> if we would cut this, it's, it's not a good thing, you know. And, uh, and for the fans... It was like they were all like we were Met fans and arriving at Moscow Airport. They were 
giving us presents. Where they were, they were crying. Now you leave us. Why you stop, scorpions? You cannot leave us alone. You know, it was very emotional. You know, and the end of the day, we thought maybe it's just we were just a little. Well, it was a stupid move, maybe. You know, at the time it felt right, but in the long run, it's not. You know, and uh, we just kept going. And when the tour was done, you know. Uh, we just we never wanted to hear uh, to hear about farewell again. You know, it was like we 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 see what comes around the next corner, and and that was uh, MTV unplugged. Actually, you know, we recorded in, in Athens, in Greece, uh, which was a great project. And this was like the one one day. It was like this is the last show of the farewell tour, and this how about an MTV unplugged? And we said, okay, we say yes, we say no. No, we just, we, we said we retire. <laughs> no way. You know, of course we did, we did MTV Unplugged and it opened the door again. Uh, and uh, then we just decided we keep going. And it's a privilege after so many, many years that we still can live this dream, that we still can do what we do. And we have so many fans around the world. And it's it's a privilege to, to play this this global stage, you know, this is what it is. And uh, if it would be tomorrow, it would be over. If it would be over tomorrow, you know, it's like looking back. Uh, it was such a great run, you know, and it was was uh, a very emotional journey, you know. And uh, we can be very thankful that uh, it took so long, you know. And like when I lost my voice in '82, so this is like the longest longest encore <laughs> going. To, throughout my whole life, and uh, I'm very grateful for that, you know, and uh, what can I say? Right now, like I said earlier, it's crazy we make a new album, you know, it's like nobody would expect the Scorpions to come up with a new album again, you know. But anyway, you know, I sign of hope is a little, <laughs> a little sign of hope, the band is alive, is well and alive, and we're ready to go as soon as this album is uh, out there, and uh, we have a chance to to get out of this lockdown and uh, play in front of our fans again. That's and we all we all stay healthy and and that we all come through this uh, terrible uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, we all stay on the healthy side. Yeah, we'll stay on the healthy side. Uh, just uh, with a couple last questions. Uh, I do want to ask you about the fortieth of animal magnetism. But before that, you mentioned MTV unplugged which includes an incredible version of Speedy's Coming. And this is going to be a complete fan geek question, but on the original lyrics of Speedy's Coming, you say you, you like Alice Cooper, you like Ringo Starr, you like David Bowie, the Royal Albert Hall. And versions since, you have changed that to rock and rollers, screaming guitars, you get stung by a rock and roll band. <laughs> right? This is the geek. Yeah, you, want, you, the, you listen very closely, you know. <laughs> but, but why that change? Is it just... It just felt right. Was it was it a legal thing? I, I know it's a completely geek no, question. No, but... no, no, nothing. No, not at all. You know, it was just maybe it was a stupid idea. You know, not to stick with the original. You know, but it it it's like you have Alice uh, being on tour with us. You know, and being like the special guest, and you go out there and sing about Alice Cooper. It's not a good idea. I thought. You know. All right, I, I, all right. You I, I, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I, I like that. And then we'll finish on this because we're running out of time. Um, 
Uh, yeah. Animal magnetism uh, comes out right after Love Drive, right, right before Blackout, those two sort of mega albums. Uh, 40 years now of, of Animal Magnetism. What does that album mean to the band in terms, you know, you've got Make It Real, you've got Lady Starlight, The Zoo, of course. Um, just a quick memory of that on its 40th anniversary. Well, I remember that uh, working with Dieter Dirks, uh, every night we went into a pub around the corner, and uh, it was after many drinks, uh, around midnight or even later, and Dieter came and said, come on, guys, we go back into the studio Let's play another version, you know. And sometimes we, we ended up uh, like 6 o'clock in the morning when Herman Rebel fell off his drum stool. Uh, we were sitting in the control room, and uh, where's Herman, you know? He, he just was with his headphones on. He, he was just went down, fell asleep or something. And the next day we listened back to the songs, what we recorded the, the, the other night, and uh, it was like, ah, no way, you know. It, most of the time, it was not good. It was not. It was not coming even close. So we had a lot of fun. We enjoyed really working that way. And uh, but then uh, we we were at the right time. We uh, hit the right versions, and we were under a lot of pressure because we were about to go on another uh, tour in America, and uh, because. Uh, Previous album was so successful, and there was a lot of pressure. And but songs like the Zoo and Lady Starlight. I remember actually Dieter Dirks. He went, I think, for the string arrangement. He went to Canada. I'm not sure if it was Toronto or Montreal. Toronto. Uh, to, to to Toronto, right? Yep, at the uh, Manta Sound yeah. Studios. He went especially for that. He was flying to Toronto. And uh, when he came back, we were thrilled to hear one of our songs with a with a string arrangement. It it was like it, uh, it was like the, the door was opening up into a new dimension, you know. And later on, we uh, actually it was yesterday, 20 years ago, we performed the show at the Expo 2000 in our hometown Hanover with the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra, you know, and Lady Starlight was just a little taste of it, you know. and But great, great song and, and a great album. And also the title track, Animal Magnetism. That song is one of those heavy, laid-back kind of songs that are still, like, uh, even now, like a, a very good example for being in a songwriting process and how about to have a song like with the heaviness of Animal Magnetism or China White, you know, this kind of songs. And uh, I think uh, we're in a good way here. <laughs> yeah. But this is like so many years later, this song is still good to be an example for like, how about a song like this would make the album really great, you know? Oh, yeah. It, it, fantastic album. And uh, the uh, 50th anniversary deluxe editions that you put out a few years ago, if people haven't checked those out, you have taken those albums and just made them all even better, which is hard to do. But uh, I do see we're out of time. I could go on for another three hours because I've got so many questions. But uh, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank you so much for your time today. Merci beaucoup. As well. Thank you so much, Mitch. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. You Cheers. So Merci, bonsoir. Bye-bye now. 
This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. The Scorpions' new song, Sign of Hope, available for digital download and streaming on all major stream platforms. For more exclusive content and interviews, follow Mitch LaFon on Twitter at Mitch LaFon and subscribe to Rock Talk on iHeartRadio and Spotify.